Welcome to the Teach Me Lit podcast. I'm Sophie Tuvey and I love talking about books and helping you to revise for English literature and go deeper in the texts you're studying. Today I'm going to be talking through Jugged Here, a poem by Jean Earle, and this poem is part of the WJC Anthology Collection for Controlled Assessment. Um, I have to say I love this poem, it's really dark um, and it's got a lot of depth to it, which means I think even though it's a bit of a tough one, I think there's a lot of intelligent things to be said about it, um, which I think means that students can get higher grades um, by choosing this poem. So it is one of my favourites. Um, I think it's initially quite an off-putting poem because um, the title is a bit of a mystery. What What is a jugged hair? And as the poem describes the process of this um, woman preparing this hair, it's all a bit gory and a bit gruesome. Um, but it's, it's really interesting that um, the jugged hair is this, I guess, a quite old-fashioned dish where you cook the hair in its own blood. Um, and um, the jugging refers to, you know, basically cutting the jugular vein of the hair. Um, the hair itself is often associated with love, um, and the whole image of the hair being cooked in its own blood becomes a very symbolic image in the poem. Um, it becomes a kind of picture, really, of um, the, the woman's life um, and as we sort of explore the poem we we have a lot of ambiguity um, in the presentation of this character as the mother. Now the voice of the poem it seems to be the daughter um, and so what we have here is the memory that the daughter has of being a child watching her mother prepare the hair. Now we can infer that perhaps the father is the one who shot the hair uh, has brought it home and now the mother has to prepare it to, as a special dish for the father to eat and enjoy uh, his his game that he's hunted. But it's clear that this puts the mother into uh, a position of, conf- of inner conflict because the mother really doesn't want to go through this gory process and, and it describes her, um, in the first line, she mourned the long ears um, and that sense of that word mourning, it makes the poem like this elegy for the dead hair. Um, but as the poem goes on, we see that she's perhaps not just mourning the hair, um, but perhaps mourning other things in her life that she's lost. Um, and we're going to explore maybe what those might be. So um, she, it, there's this juxtaposition in this first stanza of the shot fur softly dishevelled and she smoothed that before gutting so there's this this odd contrast between her smoothing the fur down but then gutting it you know that makes absolutely no difference to the hair about smoothing the fur but it's like an action of tenderness and gentleness that maybe shows how she wants to treat the animal but then she's forced to start the grisly process of you know gutting it and um, and preparing it and it does explain something of her motive here by saying she would rather sicken herself than cheat my father of his jugged hair so in other words if she um, 
does it yes she feels physically sick but she would rather do that and sacrifice herself than cheat the father of his hair you know basically you know you can't eat that because I'm not preparing it for you I have to say it doesn't paint the father in a very flattering light the fact that you know he's shot the hair um you know many of us would would find that not a very nice thing to do um and then you know he's kind of sitting back while she has to do all the the dirty work of actually getting it and preparing it to cook um so I think you're going to see through the poem that the father isn't it presented in a very positive light um and I think what we're seeing here is the child's perspective of you know in a sense it's the father's fault that the mother has to go through this process um, and that's something that is implicit in the way that the the, langu- the language is worded. Um, now, in stanza two, it, it gives a description of the mother being very resolute in going through this process. Um, I, I love the um, exclamation, oh, fortitude, you know, kind of uh, give me strength as she, she tries to make herself um, go through it. And it's interesting because if you think about her life as a housewife you know a mother in this time who's presumably not got a job she's just you know at home I wonder what other things you could relate to this you know what other things has she has she needed fortitude for so as she as she grits her teeth to prepare the hair um what other things in her life has she had to basically do the same thing because one could argue that in a lot of the um, mundane nature of domestic life, there's a lot of things this mother has to put up with. There's a lot of things the mother just has to get on with and do, even though she doesn't particularly like them. It's not a glamorous role to be a housewife. Um, and, you know, there's a sense here in which this act of preparing the hair is just one of many things she has to do that she doesn't really want to do. Um it talks about her rings sparking in and out. And again, the rings are a reminder of, of being married, aren't they? A, a constant reminder of her identity as the wife and the mother. Uh, it's interesting we don't have any names in the poem. Um, and in a sense, her her entire identity is in these these domestic roles, um, in, in being a wife and a mother. Um now it's got the religious imagery blood in a bowl sacrificial gravy um, and I think that word sacrificial is really important it's drawing your attention to what is being sacrificed now obviously on the one level yeah the hair is being sacrificed he, unfortunately he's dinner um, but what are the other things that have been sacrificed here because as the mother sacrifices her own sense of um revulsion for you know i'm gonna i'm gonna prepare this here anyway it's emblematic i suppose of the other sacrifices she has to make um she has to in a sense die to herself she has to lay aside the things that she wants um in order to be a, a mother who basically looks after her home and her family and her husband and it's got this the the sense of luxury in this dish, you know, a rarely afforded bottle of port, you know, so expensive alcohol, um, and so there's a sense of of luxury and and pulling out all the stops to make this a really special occasion. Now we have a, a wider perspective then in stanza three. She sustained marriage on high events as a child plays house, 
dramas, conciliations, today, the here. So there's a sense in which this is part of a bigger narrative then. This is one instance in the persona's childhood of many, and it's it's emblematic of the pattern in the marriage of dramas and conciliations, which means kind of making up. So the conflict and then the resolutions. And the here, maybe she's doing this out of guilt, maybe they've had an argument, but she feels like she's got to do it, she's got to make it up to the husband, and she's putting herself through this to do that. It's interesting that there's this imagery which begins about playing house, which links to the idea of creating an image or or playing a role. So in what sense is this mother playing a role as a mother, as a wife? In what sense is she acting out the dreams that, you know, when you're a child and you imagine you're playing house? To what extent is, is the wife doing that and sustaining marriage, keeping it going on not a lot apart from imagination? Um, so what we see here is her creating an image of the life that she wants um, and kind of trying to kid herself that it, that it's real. Um, but unfortunately, the reality always seeps back through. She sends the child out. She sent me out to bury the skin, toss the heart to the cat. I think that kind of action is, again, um, symbolic of her own heart, in a sense, being tossed to one side. She was in full spate. Now, that's isolated as a, as a single line, um, kind of reflecting how she's got going now, nothing can stop her. Um, but also, this image of being in full spate is often um, a metaphor of a river bursting its banks. And I just wonder if it's almost like being at tipping point, you know, where you've kind of got to the point where you don't know how to stop. Um, so she's in this marriage, in this life that she's created for herself and she almost doesn't know how to stop. She doesn't know how to get out of it and it's kind of um, not just the action of preparing the hair but in her imagination running wild she can't stop it anymore. So fragrance of wine and herbs blessed our kitchen like the hair's dessert of wild thyme like his thighs as though braised by God. There's this continual religious imagery in the poem, um, isn't there? Um, and sacrifice is something that we associate with religion um, as well. So this kind of idea of if you sacrifice something to a god, you know, you're, the, the god will be happy with you and give you something back. Um, and there's a sense here in that she's kind of sacrificing her, you know, the fact that she doesn't really want to cook this here. She's doing it anyway, but she does want something in return. So she smiled and dished up on willow, that's the old willow pattern plates, having a nice touch in framing one-off scenarios. So again, like the kind of person using a filter on Instagram, she's creating this this frame, this picture um, of ideal family life. After the feast, my father was a lover deeply enhanced. I heard them go to bed. So there's a sense in which she's set this up quite nicely, hasn't she? She has imagined the scenario, she's prepared the food, she knows what her reward is going to be and this is in a sense engineered by her herself. So we see the wife in the poem being quite creative, one might even say manipulative, um, in getting what she wants. 
and and at the point where the child hears them go to bed it says kissing still inside her picture they're still inside this perfect um image of the family life that she wants but then suddenly the atmosphere changes and becomes a lot darker in this line later i heard her sob and guessed it was the hair troubled her now this is an interesting line because from the child's perspective the child hears her crying and thinks oh she must be just sad about the hair as a reader we we kind of read this and think "Mm, i think there may be some more going on than just just the hair um and the clue is in the next section of the line now look at the caesura here we've got guessed it was the hair troubled her there's a caesura a pause in the middle of that line there for a very deliberate pause and then it goes on my father slept now i think the positioning of that phrase really answers the question of what is it that's troubling her yeah because it's the answer the child doesn't understand at the time the child guesses it was the hair that troubled her but in that phrase my father slept therein lies the problem um in a sense metaphorically speaking the father's sleeping through the marriage he's sleeping through life he's not even really aware of the conflict in the inner life of the wife so she's incredibly lonely because she's you know spent her time building up this ideal image of what she wants her life to be like engineering that as much as she can um but it doesn't satisfy it doesn't at the end of the day she's still left alone outside the image that she's created and that's how the stanza ends she lay now outside her frame so in the end the image crumbles um and the father the father sleeps and again it's not a very flattering picture of the father he doesn't you know he doesn't seem to contribute much to this um he's you know stunned with tribute and she lay now outside her frame so they are physically next to one another and yet they are worlds apart the father's asleep and she's sobbing and it's it's such an emotionally difficult picture isn't it of the the child being kind of aware of what's going on but not but not completely aware and the child's obviously troubled by the mother's hurt and upset but doesn't really understand the depths of what it is um and it says in the final stanza hating her marital skills and her lady hands that could flense a hair because she wooed a man which again gives us more explanation of you know what she was intending to do um but the the word the fact that the stanza begins with the word hating and again it's positioning isn't it it's positioning of that word at the beginning of the line makes us really zoom in on it and focus on it hating is that odd conflict that self-loathing um hating something she herself has set up in years to come i understood it's a very enigmatic end to the poem and it, it does suggest that as the child persona grows up they maybe maybe themselves get married and they then understand that emotional struggle that the wife and the mother goes through largely in silence because the mother doesn't articulate any of this she doesn't um talk about it at all um in fact there's there's barely any dialogue in the poem at all apart from perhaps the line oh fortitude which um could be the thoughts of the wife it could be a verbal comment we don't know it's not in dialogue marks 
Um, but given that there's no voice in the poem, if you like, of any of these characters, um, we're left just with the sense that all of this is under the surface. All of this is nuanced, ambiguous um, emotion and feeling and atmosphere. But overall, the atmosphere of the poem um, is is very much defined by the jugged hair. Because if you think about it, the, the picture of the hair being cooked in its own blood is a very graphic, gory image. And it sets an, a, a tone and an atmosphere that is clearly quite sinister and dark, a sense of entrapment, a sense of, um, of bleeding. So you can draw out from that image um, all these powerful emotions and powerful sense of what the poem is really about. In the one sense, it's about the hair, you know, the mother cooking the hair. But in another sense, it's not. In another sense, it's actually about how she feels about her life, how she feels about her marriage. And you've got the child persona kind of helplessly watching on, not really understanding the significance of what she's seeing, getting glimpses of her mother's inner life. Um, but she's not really part of that. Um, and then later on in life, perhaps understanding that more profoundly herself. Um, you can obviously interpret the poem in a number of different ways. Um, we don't hear much from the father. Perhaps he's getting a bit of a raw deal here. Perhaps he's being misrepresented um, and the bias of, of the daughter's voice is showing through. The mother can be seen as a victim, but she can also be seen as a bit of her own worst enemy, given that she's the one who's engineered the situation herself. And there's a lot of imagery of creativity um, and um, artistry, which links back to the mother herself creating the scenario. So there's a lot of ambiguity, which I think is just great to explore that ambiguity. Um, and obviously for your own reading, you just need to have that sense of confidence with using evidence from the text itself to support your reading. So try not to be too speculative, you know, I think this crazy thing about the poem, try and make sure it's deeply rooted in the words and the language of the text. Um, but also don't forget to discuss the, the way that the techniques combine to create effects. So you're looking at the language, you're looking at the imagery, you're looking at the structure of the stanzas, of the positioning of the words on the line, um, the overall mood and the atmosphere, and how those techniques all work together um, to give you a sense of what the poem is about. If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful, please hit subscribe and share it with a friend. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Just search for Teach Me Lit. I'm always open to requests. So if you want me to talk about a text you're studying, get in touch. Thank you for listening. See you next time on the Teach Me Lit podcast.